Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I am Matt. I'm Ashley. And we are focusing this week on movies that are related to the Roger Ebert Film Festival, also mm-hmm. known as Ebert Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ebert Fest would normally be occurring this week, and right, you know, uh, as we're recording this, we'd probably be in the uh, Virginia Theater in downtown Champaign, Illinois, um, watching a movie mm-hmm. that's part of Ebert Fest. Uh, but like, like many things, Ebert Fest was canceled this year due to the coronavirus. Um, so, we thought it would be a, a, a good opportunity to uh, discuss some films that were featured at Ebert Fest um, that maybe you wouldn't have known about otherwise, and that we uh, thought were pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, um, first up is a 2013 documentary uh, called Bayou Maharaja, and it was screened at the 2014 Ebert Fest. It was also co-produced by Nate Cohn, who is the festival director. Mm-hmm. and also somebody that we interviewed this week. So you should check out that podcast. But uh, Ashley's going to tell us a little bit about Bayou Maharaja. So Bayou Maharaja tells the story of uh, James Booker, who was um, uh, a legendary piano player from New Orleans. And he was also a black man, and he was gay. And um, he had, because, for, you know, partly for those reasons, he had kind of a tumultuous uh, life. Um, certainly um, kind of a... I would describe it as a chaotic life. And we get to hear a lot about that. Um, this is a documentary. We get to hear a lot about it through, you know, interviews. And then also there's some really great footage of him just playing. And a lot of the movie is kind of, we get to know him through those interviews and through seeing him play. And it's a really fascinating experience. Yeah. Um, I thought this was, uh, fascinating is a good word for it. Um, <clears throat> so, Dr. John, who was featured in this right. uh, this this documentary, describes him as the best black, gay, one-eyed, junky piano genius New Orleans has ever produced. So um, <laughs> there's that, and that kind of sums. I mean, it, it's a it's a bit of a rough description, right? But right. it's it sums up um, this documentary, or at least the, you know how um, James Booker is portrayed anyway through this documentary pretty well. Um, I loved the. Um, section that talks about how he how he lost his eye it's very it reminded me a bit of um the dark knight and how the joker and the dark knight has these multiple stories right, that he tells about how he got his scars <laughs> uh it, it sounds like james booker told multiple stories about how he yes. lost his eye yes. um so who knows how that really right. occurred right. um but yeah no this was a this was a a pretty interesting look at a pretty interesting person um it's interesting. I was watching this and I was thinking to myself, like, why are quote unquote, you know, creative people or, you know, they threw around the word genius a lot in this movie uh, mm-hmm. or documentary for for him and, you know, okay. But I just was like asking myself, why are so many of these people like troubled or, um, you know, just, just have issues, right? And I don't know, it, it, it kind of... Sometimes it annoys me. Sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, but then, then, as I was thinking about that, they actually have a section that uh, it's an interview with James Booker. And he, and he mentions that. And he's like, you know, um, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember exactly how he put it. But he says something like, you know, it's interesting, right? Like people, I guess it gives people something to talk about. Right. Um, he said that that gives them the spice that they're wanting. Yes. yes. Um, no, I, 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 I say probably my favorite 
parts of this. I mean, hearing different people, some of them somewhat famous people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Hugh Laurie is in this, um, Harry Connick Jr. and Harry Connick Sr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd never thought before about, like, <laughs> who is Harry Connick Sr.? Right. But, uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's Harry Connick Sr. here, too. So, um, but it's, it was fun and nice listening to them talk uh, about James Booker. But my favorite part of this was um, the sections that were just uh, Booker performing um, on the piano. Uh, I was actually almost immediately uh, transported mm-hmm. and, and, and lulled into this just... Real, it was very relaxing, actually, mm-hmm. and very soothing um, and mesmerizing uh, performances that he did. Yeah, I agree with you. I think those were the highlights of the movie. The um, so he he played with a lot of different artists and bands, and they talk about that some in the documentary. But I think the documentary, the footage that they show, focuses on kind of his solo performances, where it's just him at the piano playing or him playing and singing. I thought he had a, a, a good voice, too, a very expressive um, voice. Great. I thought he was great to listen to as a piano player and as a singer. Um, so, the, yeah, those scenes were definitely highlights. I, he was obviously a very troubled person. I think I said chaotic in my my intro. Um, yeah, you know, he, he struggled with drugs. He never seemed to tell the same story twice when it came to his eye. Um, he seemed to have a believe in some strange conspiracy theories. So it, I feel like he's a, he's kind of a hard or a difficult person to kind of nail down and explain and maybe a difficult subject for a documentary because he's kind of all over the place. There's no like easy story to tell. Um, but I, I think the documentary does as good a job as it can. It, it interviews, you know, a lot of people who worked with him. I found it interesting, you know, they, they mentioned many times that he's gay. Um, if they hadn't said that, there's really nothing in the documentary that spells that out, I didn't think. Like, there's there's no talk of any relationships that he may have had or, you know, any boyfriends at all. Um, so I found that a little interesting. I, I was wondering where that was. It seemed like a piece that was missing. Unless maybe he was so chaotic, maybe he had trouble having any kind of relationship, and that could be that could be true. Um, I thought they touched on it a little bit. I mean, it, a lot of it was sometimes in the visuals. You sort of had to be paying attention mm-hmm. to um, visuals of, you know, you know, New Orleans back in the 70s as they sure. were panning around, and there were a lot of, you know, you saw... Uh, drag queens. I think you saw right, some transsexuals there. Um, the um, and they talked about. I don't know. I it, it did. They did sort of flit over it a little bit, but mm-hmm. they did touch on it. You're right. They talked about it a lot. And um, um, it's interesting. The vibe I got, and this was just a collective vibe I got uh, while it was all happening. But was that he might be described maybe more as queer than just particularly gay. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. I also liked how the movie... There, it seemed like maybe there were some parts of the movie where they were playing audio of him performing, singing or playing the piano, but maybe they didn't have the footage of him playing. So instead they showed some montages of New Orleans. So he, you know, was based in New Orleans, and, and they talk about in the 
in the documentary, he rarely left New Orleans. But sometimes they would play music and there would be like a montage of scenes from New Orleans, mm-hmm. from clubs or um, just the streets or just people enjoying themselves. And I, I really liked that. I enjoyed that. I thought it was a nice way to kind of just set the scene and, and take you back to this period of time. And this gave you a good sense of place and time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the, the, the way that the documentary showed him performing, the way that it um, played his music while, you know, over these montages, I thought it, that was very effective. And it really introduced me to him because I had, I've heard the name James Booker, but I could not tell you, you know, I, I couldn't tell you anything about his music, but now I feel like I at least know what it sounds like and mm-hmm. have experienced it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, to, to get, speaking of, I think maybe, I guess, to the gay thing, I guess this would be something to speaking to that, but mm-hmm. he, uh, he had a thing for Liberace. The, yes. the showmanship of Liberace. Yes. Uh, and and it, I, I chuck, chuckled at the, those bits where, you know, he was getting ready for a performance and he's like, you know, I want a candelabra. Right. And I'm like, why do you want that? He's like, because Liberace has one and I want one. So I found those. I found that, that amazing. That's very funny. And uh, <clears throat> he did. I also found it interesting how, you know, he there's a whole section in this about when he went to Europe for mm-hmm. a, a period and found uh, it's interesting you know sometimes that happens maybe an act isn't very successful you know or somebody isn't successful here in the states and then they go abroad and they mm-hmm. are right so uh you know he he seemed to have some success or appreciation um in europe and then it was sort of sad when he came back that that was not the, the case here yeah uh, quite as much uh, although it does sound like at least some people in new orleans appreciated him and liked him and although he was he was a, a very difficult person sometimes mm-hmm. to be around, you know, due to the mainly, I guess, to to the drugs. Yeah, um, it's interesting. There were um, there was some footage of him playing where he was very cleaned up. Yeah, because um, his normal look, or at least the, the look we saw the most of, tended to be kind of scraggly, mm-hmm. very big afro. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just um, and, and his eye patch very prominent. And then there's a, a some footage in here where you know he's I don't know if he's in a suit. I feel like he's in a suit, mm-hmm. and his hair is is cut short. And he's he's wearing uh, sunglasses, or, right. or and so you, I I couldn't even tell at first that it was him. So there was a you know they just they just kind of started showing this footage, and I was at that moment I for a few moments I was thinking like oh so they're just showing some other black guy in the seventies playing the piano. I'm not sure why they're doing <laughs> this, but okay. Uh, and then uh, they cut away from it and they talked some more about something, and then they cut back to that footage, and I was like oh okay. So it was interesting to see that difference in his appearance, I guess, when he was maybe clean. Right, yeah. I mean, just listening to the interviews, he definitely had his good times and he had his bad times. And I don't know, maybe some of those are represented in how he looks when he's performing. I I really wanted to um, point out the the interviews with Harry Connick Jr., which I thought were were really nice. Um, It seemed like they had a really nice kind of relationship he was kind of a mentor to Harry Connick Jr. and I I liked hearing what he had to say I liked seeing all the pictures of you know young child Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> sitting with him and, and at the piano and I, I that was a relationship I was not aware of and it was very very sweet I agree I, I quite like that and it, yeah it was it was very nice mm-hmm. so um out of 10 what do you give this uh I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten okay um, I give it a seven and a half. It was very, uh, it was very fascinating, mm-hmm. straightforward uh, documentary about yeah. somebody I wasn't very very familiar with at all. Right. Um, so yeah, I would recommend this. 
It is uh, on the tomato meter. It has a critic score of a fresh 86%. And it has uh, 58 audience reviews on the tomato meter, and they <laughs> give it a, an 83%. Yeah. So, yeah, 7.8 from us. Uh, and you can stream it. We stream it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.